نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger we like to continue this evening in this lecture number 31 in the series of lectures concerning the sharh or explanation of kitab at-tawhid alladhi huwa haqqullah 'ala al-'abid ba'al imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab ابن سليمان التميمي النجدي رحمه الله In this chapter the author Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab رحمه الله he has taken the subject of as-sabr and he entitled this chapter باب من الايمان بالله الصبر على اقدار الله من الايمان بالله that it is a part of having iman faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person patiently forbears that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has subjected them to yani of trials or calamities or difficulties what Allah has decreed for them as-sabru ala aqdarillah having patience in the face of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed to befall a person of calamity or difficulty before beginning with the evidences that the imam has mentioned i would like to quickly make reference to uh, some comments of sheikh muhammad ibn sa'di al-usaymin rahimahullah in his sharh uh, of kitab at-tawhid which summarizes some of the important points related to the matter of as-sabr and the first point is that he says as-sabr linguistically it means al-habs and some of them said al-man' that means that as sabr linguistically it means to hold or to refrain or to prohibit something or someone from doing something and to hold back or to refrain legally yani in the sharia shar'an it means that a person holds themselves back from expressing by their tongue displeasure or dissatisfaction with what Allah has decreed and holding themselves back or refraining from displaying displeasure with what Allah has decreed for them by their from their actions that they do any action that expresses displeasure with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that a person should refrain from thinking or feeling or speaking or acting in any way that is a manifestation of displeasure with what Allah has decreed of difficulty or hardship or calamity or affliction <clears throat> and then the shaykh rahimahullah says the divisions of as-sabr are three many of the scholars of the people of sunnah said that sabr is divided into three divisions and he mentions here sabr ala ta'atillah that a person should be patient in facing the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made has legislated for us of obedience to him yani what he has ordered us to do a person should be patient in fulfilling those obligations was sabr an ma'afiyatillah that a person should also have patience in terms of holding themselves back and refraining from engaging in that which Allah has prohibited us from yani disobedience to Allah holding oneself back from disobedience to Allah this also requires patience and the third one he said sabr ala aqdarillah that is being patient in the face of calamity 
or affliction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed to befall us. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah added to this also another division of a sabr and that is that a person should be patient in controlling their self and refraining from, in, from following their desires from following their desires which are in contradiction or in conflict to the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani whatever a person desires to do if it is of that which is in contradiction to the sharia then a person also requires sabr in order to refrain from engaging in such behavior then he says <coughs> that aqdar the word aqdar it is the plural of qadr and it is applied to two things this word is used to refer to two different matters the first of them is the thing which Allah has decreed to happen qadr refers to that thing which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed to happen whether it was that a person became sick or the loss of life or some affliction or disaster or whatever that befalls someone the other application of the word qadr it is applicable to the action of the one who has made the decree that is the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah's action of decreeing something his action of decreeing something it is also called qadr and we should make a distinction between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's action and he decrees something to happen his action of decreeing this is qadr and the thing that he decrees to happen is also qadr and there is a difference between them as the shaykh says here he says in reference to these two matters in reference to the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreeing something to happen it is obligatory in the Muslim to be pleased with what Allah has decreed yani to be pleased with Allah's decreeing yani Allah decrees something we should be pleased with the fact that he has decreed whatever it may be we are pleased with Allah's action and likewise it is also obligatory to be patient to be patient in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's action of decreeing in reference to that which is decreed the calamity or the affliction or whatever befalls someone the maqdur he says that it is wajib to be patient in the face of the calamity that befalls you and it is mustahab to be pleased with it yani it is mustahab that a person it is commendable it is recommended it is praiseworthy that a patient that a person in the face of calamity is pleased yani accepts and is pleased with that calamity that has befallen them and that is because if they believe in Allah and they know that he is the one who has decreed it then they accept what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his wisdom has decreed for them so he has made a distinction here yani in reference to Allah's action of decreeing it is obligatory to be pleased with it and to be patient with his action in reference to that which he has decreed which, which befalls the person it is obligatory to be patient with it and if it is possible it is yani the person is it is a commendable action to accept and be pleased with that calamity when it befalls someone the shaykh then gives an example the example he gives is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees that your car is burned up in a fire he decrees that your car is destroyed he says that the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed it his action of decreeing that to happen and it cannot happen except that he decreed it his action of decreeing it it is obligatory on you to be patient with his action and to be pleased with his action as for the burning of the car itself that which he decreed the action of the car being burnt he said it is obligatory to be patient in the face of the loss of your car and it is commendable if you are able to also accept it and be pleased with the fact that this disaster has befallen you then finally he says that the condition of the people in reference to the decrees of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the decree for that which is bitter or distasteful or harmful or painful to the person when Allah decrees a calamity to befall someone the people he said have four conditions the people are between these four conditions the first of them is the one who is displeased displeased with that which has befallen them and this being displeased with it knowing that Allah is the one who has decreed it it is haram 
yani to be displeased with what Allah has decreed, it is haram. And the second condition, it is the one who is patient. Yani being patient, when a calamity befalls someone, it is wajib. Yani the condition of being patient, it is obligatory that we must do so. The third condition, which is preferable and higher than that, it is ar-rida. That a person not only is patient, but also accepts fully and is pleased with what Allah has decreed to befall them of affliction or calamity when it befalls them. And not only are they patient and they hold their tongue from expressing displeasure and they refrain from acting in any way that expresses displeasure, not only are they patient, but also they are satisfied and they are content and pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed to befall them. And the fourth condition, and it is the highest of them, it is a shukr. That a person thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when a calamity befalls them. And that is because they know that this calamity befallen them is by Allah's decree and according to His wisdom and it will be a means of alleviating or eliminating their sin and perhaps it will also be a means for them to achieve hasanat, good deeds. The person who understands this, that when any calamity befalls them, a person be, uh, falls sick, and they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who decreed it, they might reach this level, not only of being patient and being pleased, but also of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in light of the fact that they know that this will be the means of removing their sins, and perhaps yani, that it will be a means for them to achieve more good deeds. Yani, this is a summary of what the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen said in his Sharh, which is very lengthy. Uh, this is a summary of the main points that he discussed in his Sharh. As for the evidences that were mentioned by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, the first of them, it is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Taghabun, verse 11, مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ That no calamity of whatever calamities may befall someone, there is no calamity that befalls someone except it is by the permission of Allah. Illa bi iznillah. Except that it is what Allah has decreed. And Allah has fulfilled His decree. He has executed His decree. If we know this, and this is a fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said so, that no calamity befalls anyone except by permission of Allah, except by the decree of Allah. Allah has decreed it and then Allah has executed his decree and caused it to happen. وَمَا يُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ يَحْدِ قَلْبَهِ And whoever believes in Allah, Allah guides his heart. Yani whoever believes in Allah, meaning whoever has iman in Allah, such that they know and they testify to the truthfulness of the fact that the musibah, the calamity that has befallen them, it is by Allah's decree. They know this and they bear witness to it being a fact that whatever has befallen them, it is Allah's decree. وَمَن يُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ It means the one who believes and knows with certainty that whatever has befallen them of calamity, it is from Allah, يَحْدِ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide that person's heart, meaning he will open their heart to being patient with that calamity. He will enable them to, be, to bear it patiently and also to accept it and be pleased with the calamity that has befallen them. وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing of everything. That means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows what happens to us and He knows how we respond to it. And His knowledge of that also may indicate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward us if we are patient in the face of calamity or affliction. <clears throat> the Shaykh, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Aziz al-Qara'awi, whose explanation we are following in his Kitab al-Jaleed, the Shah Kitab al-Tawheed, he says concerning this ayah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us in this ayah, that there is no calamity from the calamities that befall a person from amongst the people, except yani, whether that calamity, it is a calamity that afflicts their body, or that affects their wealth, or their children. In any case, whatever it may be, no calamity befalls anyone except that it is by the qada of Allah and the qadr of Allah which must be executed. And there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and it has to happen. 
no calamity befalls us except it's by Allah's decree and it is indeed something that when Allah decrees it, it has to happen, there's no escape from it. And likewise, whoever believes that these calamities do not happen except by the decree of Allah and that Allah executes His decree, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed will give them the tawfiq. He will give them, the, He will grant them success, the ability to face that calamity being pleased with it and to be at rest and to be at peace knowing that what has befallen him it is for a reason by the hikmah of Allah, the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed Allah is the one who knows who is the all-knowing of what will benefit his servants and Allah is compassionate and merciful to them then the Shaykh mentions five benefits from this ayah that we might understand from this ayah the first of them is that evil and good evil and good they are both from that which is decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both evil as well as good when good comes to us we are happy and satisfied and we accept Allah's decree but when harm afflicts someone then they might express displeasure indeed we should accept the good as well as the evil that befalls us that it is decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should accept them equally and be pleased with it, accept it and submit to it. The second point he said is the clarification. Is that of the bounties or of the blessing of Al-Iman is that Al-Iman is the cause of guidance of the heart. Yani the person who has Iman, that Iman is the cause for him, for his heart to be guided aright and for him to have mental stability and rest and tranquility and that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said وَمَن يُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ يَحْدِ قَلْبَهِ and whoever believes in Allah if you believe then as a result of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides that person's heart number three he said clarification of the fact that the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses everything that the knowledge of Allah encompasses everything and this is from the saying of Allah وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ that Allah is all-knowing of everything. The fourth of them is that of the rewards of al-hasana, of good deeds, is that they are followed by good deeds. And if somebody does a good deed, the reward of doing that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them success to follow that good with more good. And the fifth thing he says that hidayat al-tawfiq, that hidayat al-tawfiq, that is the guidance which means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the heart of the person and he makes their heart receptive to the truth to accept it and to follow it and to remain on the right path until they die on the right path this guidance it is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion that iman that as a part of iman is patient with what Allah has decreed to befall someone the relationship of this ayah to this chapter is that having patience with the painful things that Allah has decreed for us and not being impatient at the time of calamity, it is of the signs of al-iman billah. Yani of the signs that a person has true faith in Allah is that they will be patient when any affliction befalls them and they will not be impatient or dissatisfied or displeased with what Allah has decreed for them. Then the Shaykh, he mentions, he has a note, and that note is uh, and similar to what we read in the beginning from the notes of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen. He says that al-sabr, linguistically, it means al-habs wal-man, it means holding something, refining or restricting or prohibiting something, and legally, it means holding oneself back from impatience. Yani impatience when calamity afflicts someone, holding one's tongue back from expressing dissatisfaction or displeasure with what Allah has decreed, and holding one's limbs or body parts back from doing any action that is forbidden, such as slapping the cheeks or tearing the clothes, clothing, which was, was from the acts of the days of ignorance, the jahiliyyah, which is mentioned in the hadith and the hadith which will be coming. Then he says also that a sabr is of three types, being patient 
with obedience to Allah, yani being patient to obey Allah and what He has commanded us, being patient with ma'asiyah, disobedience to Allah, that is being patient, holding oneself back from falling into disobedience to Allah and being patient with the painful or distasteful things that Allah has decreed for us. The second evidence that the Imam Rahimahullah mentions is a statement from Al-Qama Rahimahullah who was one of the outstanding leaders of the Muslims of the second generation, the Tabi'een. He was one of the scholars of the Tabi'een. Uh, and he heard hadith. He was born actually in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. He was born in the lifetime of the Prophet. And he died shortly after the 60th year of the Hijrah. And he heard hadith from Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Umar ibn al-Khattab, Uthman ibn Affan, Ali ibn Abi Talib, Aisha, Abd ibn Mas'ud, and others from amongst the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. He was one of the scholars of the Tabi'een, and his statement indeed is a true statement, as many of the scholars have reported it. He said, in reference to the previous ayat, he said that, yani, whoever believes in Allah, Allah will guide his heart, yani, to being patient, when any calamity befalls them. He said, in ref- that person who was mentioned in that ayat, he said, huwa ar-rajulu tusibuhu al-musibah. فَيَعْلَمُ أَنَّهَا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ فَيَرْضَى وَيُسَلِّمْ يعني He said this ayat is in reference and the person who believes in Allah and Allah guides his heart is in reference to a person who a calamity has befallen him and he knows that that calamity is from Allah يعني that it is decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it could not happen except that Allah decreed it therefore knowing such and believing in Allah and having faith in Allah he is pleased with what Allah has decreed for him of affliction and he submits and surrenders himself Willingly. The Shaykh says that the relationship of this asr or this statement of Al-Qama rahimahullah to the chapter under discussion is that this statement it indicates that Al-Qama rahimahullah that he held the opinion that a sabr or patience in the face of calamities and submitting and surrendering oneself to such and being pleased with it that it is from the signs of Al-Iman. This statement has been narrated by Al-Imam Ibn Jirir al-Tabari rahimahullah and Ibn Abi Hatim rahimahullah as mentioned by Ibn Kathir in his tafsir. Uh, the next evidence that he mentions is the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reported in the Sahih of Muslim from Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم he said إثنتان في الناس هما بهم كفر that there are two things two characteristics if you find them in the people then those two things they are a type of kufr كفر he didn't say الكفر he said كفر it is not definite. And there's a difference, as many of the scholars pointed out, between the use of the expression Al-Kufr and Kufrun in the Quran as well as in the Sunnah. And Al-Kufr, it refers to major Kufr, disbelief, that takes a person out of Islam. And Kufrun refers to minor disbelief, that doesn't take a person out of Islam. Yani, as Abdul ibn Abbas said, Kufr duna Kufr, or as some of the scholars refer to it as Kufr Amali, yani Kufr in action. It is a type of kufr that doesn't remove a person from Islam. It is kufr, but it is minor kufr. And we don't say that a person who is described by such that he is out of Islam. We don't say that that person is a kafir. So he said these are two characteristics. If they are in the people, then they are a type of kufr. Atta'nu fin nasabi wa niyahatu ala al-mayyiti. The first of them, atta'nu fin nasabi. It is defamation or slander of someone's lineage. Such as the person who says that so-and-so is not the son of this man. Yani somebody accuses somebody, they accuse someone of not really being the son of that person. Yani that, that's not really their father. A false claim of such. Or somebody who talks about the lineage of someone and says that they are not from a good background. Yani there. Uh, family line is not noble or high. They speak ill against their uh, ancestors. The second of them, 
النياحة على الميت it means wailing and raising the voice with crying at the death of someone and exaggeration and eulogizing someone يعني mentioning the good deeds about someone at the time of their death while exaggerating in the mention of their good deeds all of this comes under the meaning of النياحه على الميت يعني at the time when someone dies that someone bewails cries moans groans and he goes to the extreme in this or that they exaggerate in the praising and mentioning of the good deeds of such a person the sheikh al-qarawi hafizahullah may allah protect and preserve him he says that the meaning here what is understood is that if we know that islam it is designed to nullify and to refute and to reject all of the customs of the days of ignorance and jahiliya yani the time before islam came the people were living ignorant islam came to remove all of those customs of the days of ignorance those customs which are not in line with the fundamentals of islam the high noble yani characteristics of islam in light of this the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this hadith he has informed us that the one who makes ill statements about the lineage of someone or defames their lineage or the one who bewails and moans at the death of someone goes to the extreme in praising or eulogizing them that these two actions are characteristics of kufr they are of the characteristics of disbelief and that these things will remain in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam yani we will find people continually continuously until the end of time we'll find people engaged in them and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned this in a way to warn us against it to warn us against these two characteristics which are generally and specifically of the evil matters attaan fi nasab slander or defamation of someone's lineage it actually hurts the feelings of other people and it is in a way a a sign or an action of being proud someone feeling that they are better than others without any justification or need to do so likewise anniyaha or exaggeration and eulogizing and wailing lamenting and weeping over the dead going to the extreme and such it only revives and renews the grief and the sorrow of the family of the dead and it also exaggerates the matter of the calamity that has befallen them making it bigger than it is when death is something that must be there's no escape from it and likewise perhaps the worst of it all is that it is in a way a means of objecting or resisting that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed and usually it is accompanied by lying yani lying in reference to the person who has died yani going to the extreme in praising them attesting to their integrity or credibility or their good doing and raising them above the status that they are entitled to the sheikh mentions here four benefits the first of them is that we understand in this, from this hadith that it is prohibited to defame or to speak ill of someone's ancestors their lineage and likewise it is haram forbidden to fall into the act of anniyaha yani exaggeration and eulogizing and wailing and loudly wailing and crying over the dead and the second of them is that in this hadith there is an indication or allusion to the fact that these two characteristics at-ta'an the nasab and niyaha ala al-mayyit that these two characteristics that they will remain that they will continue to exist amongst the muslims yani in this ummah the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the third of them and this is a very important point he says that it might be 
that something of the characteristics of kufr might be present in a person and that person would not be considered as a kafir. It is possible that a person might be characterized by some of the characteristics of kufr, of disbelief, while we will not consider that person to be a kafir. Because here the Prophet ﷺ said that these two things are from the characteristics. They are a type of kufr, but he didn't say that this person is out of Islam and that they are disbelievers. The fourth point is that Islam has prohibited every type of action that leads to separation and division of the people, such as speaking ill of people's, of someone's lineage. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is this hadith indicates the prohibition of al-niyaha, yani going to the extreme and bewailing and eulogizing, because it is a negation of the sabr that is required of a Muslim at the time of calamity, that sabr which is a sign of iman. Yani this action, it is a negation of the sabr that is a sign of one's iman. If a person has strong iman and they have achieved the tawheed that is required of a Muslim believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala properly, then they are expected to be patient at the time of calamity. The fourth evidence that the imam mentions, it is that which is reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu marfu'an. Yani, Abdul ibn Mas'ud, he has reported this hadith and attributed it to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saying, لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ ضَرَبَ الْخُدُودِ وَشَقَّ الْجُيُوبِ وَدَعَى بِدَعَى الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ لَيْسَ مِنَّا He is not from amongst us, those who do these things. He is not from us. He is not one of us. And we said previously that such an expression it is one of the expressions that we find the Prophet ﷺ using when he wants to show the severity of an action. He says that such a person is not from amongst us. And it may not necessarily mean that that person is out of Islam. It doesn't necessarily mean that that person is not a Muslim. But it is an expression to show the severity of the action, that the person is doing an action that is not from the actions of Islam. It is not from the actions of the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever does such, laysa minna, he is not one of us. And we should be clear that this doesn't necessarily mean that he not being from us, doesn't mean that he has put him out of Islam. Laysa minna man darba al-khudud, the one who slaps his face, slaps his cheeks. Yani, the one who does so out of anger and displeasure at the time of calamity, being displeased with what Allah has decreed. And this slapping of the cheeks, it is... It is an expression here used for something that was specifically done in the days of Jahiliyyah and it is not limited to that. But any type of action that expresses displeasure with what Allah has decreed is also included here. وَشَقَ الْجُيُوبِ Tearing the clothing. Some of the scholars said it means tearing the clothing at the place, at the top of the, of, of the garment where the head enters. The whole of it or part of it. وَدَعَى الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ Or the one who calls who calls to the cause of Jahiliyyah, meaning it may mean that they supplicate with the supplications of the people of Jahiliyyah, of those who said, woe to me, or would that I, had, would that I was destroyed, or such statements which express displeasure and the absence of patience at the time when a calamity has befallen someone. And it also may mean those who engage in or invite and call to the ways of Jahiliyyah, any of the traditions or the ways of the days of ignorance that are in contradiction to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that which is in the Quran and that which is in the sunnah and from amongst the ways of jahiliyyah is that which is under discussion that is the bewailing and moaning and exaggeration in eulogizing at the time of death and the shaykh says the meaning of this hadith we understand from it that since Islam came to call the people to the high noble traits and characteristics, any noble traits and characteristics, good high character, noble character, and the improvement or rectifying or refinement of the souls, any Islam, the implementation of Islam 
it will establish good character and it will refine the human being. And since Islam came with this as an objective, it has prohibited the slapping of the cheeks and tearing of the clothing and the supplications or the calls to the ways of Jahiliyyah, the ways of the people before Islam came with a true and perfect guidance. Likewise, we are also informed here that these actions that are mentioned in this hadith, the expressions of displeasure with Allah's decree of some affliction or calamity to befall someone, that these actions have nothing to do with Islam. A Muslim, a true believer, should never engage in such actions. And that is because these things only awaken and revive the grief and sorrow of the people and extend the period of grief and sorrow. And it is also an expression of one's objection and displeasure with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. And it is giving life or reviving the habits or the customs, the evil habits and customs of Jahiliyyah, which Islam came to remove and to erase from the society. The Shaykh mentions two benefits here. The prohibition of slapping the cheeks and tearing the clothing and the supplications of Jahiliyyah, yani the expressions of the expressions that the people used to say at the time of death or calamity uh, and the calling in general to any of the ways of Jahiliyyah, that these things are prohibited. That which is mentioned in this hadith are of the forbidden things. Likewise, here in this hadith we also understand that it is a refutation and nullification of the habits of Jahiliyyah. Yani whatever was practiced by the people before Islam, except that which has been confirmed by the Sharia. Yani that which was from the habits of the people of Jahiliyyah, that is confirmed by the Quran or by the Sunnah, then we are not talking about that. We are talking about the habits and the customs of Jahiliyyah that Islam has rejected. That Islam has rejected. And of the habits of the people of Jahiliyyah, at least amongst the Arabs, was yani, being kind and generous, any generosity and kindness and hospitality, hospitality, all of this, these are of the habits of Jahiliyyah that are confirmed by Islam and not rejected. So what is meant here are the evil habits of Jahiliyyah. Islam has come to erase these things. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of slapping the cheeks and whatever else has been mentioned in this hadith and what is related to it because these things are a negation of as-sabr, the patience which is an indication, and it is a negation of a sabr, that sabr which is a sign, or is from the signs of true faith. And the absence of sabr at the time of calamity, it is not only an indication of weakness of faith, but it is also an indication that one has not established the tawheed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having faith in Him, and believing in Him, and trusting in Him, and recognizing, acknowledging that He is the Rabb, the one who has control over everything in this universe, that nothing happens except what he wills. Whatever he wills will be, and whatever he does not will, it will never be. The Sheikh says, and he makes a note here and says, that crying over the dead is permissible. Crying at the time of the death of, of, death of someone is permissible if the cause of that crying is due to compassion or mercy. And if the person feels uh, compassion for the one who has died as long as it is not accompanied by that which indicates one's impatience and displeasure with what Allah has decreed. Yani if somebody dies, someone's relative, brother or sister or son or parent, and they feel compassion in their heart at the death of that person and they cry, but not in the way, going to the extreme that shows that they have rejected Allah's decree, but it is only a sign of compassion and mercy, it is allowed. However, going to the extreme and performing the actions of Jahiliyyah or that which indicates uh, displeasure with Allah's decree is what is prohibited. The fifth evidence that the Imam mentions is that which is reported by At-Tirmidhi in his Sunan and Al-Hakam in the Mustadrak and Ibn Hibban in his Sahih, Rahimahumullah. And that hadith was declared Sahih by a number of scholars from amongst them, the Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, in his Silsila al-Hadith al-Sahiha. This hadith, an Anas, radiyallahu anhu, 
anna rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal that the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said idha arada allah bi abdihi al khair ajjala lahu al uqubah fi al dunya and in some of the narrations he said ajjala allah lahu bil uqubati fi al dunya yani if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants al khair for his servant and here al khair it is in reference to the person who is patient at the time of calamity the khair is the elimination of his sins removal of his sins that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will remove his sins as a result of his patience at the time of calamity idha arada allah bi abdihi al khair if allah wants for his servant al khair wants to remove his sins ajjala lahu al uqubata fi al dunya then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hasten his punishment allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hasten his punishment for the sins that he committed in this world he will give him his punishment in this world and that punishment will be calamities or afflictions allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decree that he is afflicted with some calamity and that will be the means of removing his sins so that he will not be punished in the next life if allah wants khair for his servant he wants to remove his sins then he allows calamities to befall him that will be his uquba it will be his punishment instead of in the next life he will get it in this world wa idha arada allah bi abdihi ash-sharr but if allah wants for his servant evil yani he wants that he be punished in the next life yani saving his punishment for him on yawm al-qiyamah amsaka anhu bi dhanbihi then allah delays his punishment the punishment for his sins allah delays that punishment he doesn't punish him in this world but he delays it hatta yuwafiya bihi yawm al-qiyamah until or so that he will give him the full punishment for those sins yani the complete punishment he will give them he will give him his punishment in full on the day of resurrection if allah wants al khair for his servant then he allows some calamity to befall him in this world as a means to remove his sins so that he will be relieved of that punishment in the next life and if allah wants sharr for his servant then he holds back from punishing him in this world so that he will give him the full punishment for his sins in the next life the sheikh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam informs us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might cause some calamity to befall his believing servant and that will be a, mean, a means of purifying him from his sins and his errors which might unexpectedly or surprisingly yani come forth from him yani that a person who is a believer it is not expected that he would disobey Allah because disobedience to Allah is an action of disbelief it is an action of kufr any uh, disobeying allah however the human being is subject to fall into disobedience and the believer when he falls into disobedience allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows some calamity to befall him in order to purify him from those sins in this way allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way that servant the true believing servant he will come to allah on yawm qiyamah and his the load of sins that he will have will be reduced and he will come carrying his book in his right hand he will be of the people who carry the book in the right hand that is the sign that they will achieve the pleasure of allah and if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani sometimes allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds back the calamities from some of the people and this is not due to his love of them it is not an indication that he is honoring them the fact that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds back the calamity from befalling them it is not due to his love and it is not due to or it is not an indication that he honors them but in fact it is istidraj it is that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will gradually bring that person to the point where their punishment will befall them suddenly and they will think that they are in allah's favor and they will continue in their disobedience in this life and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then they will come to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while they will have many sins and the load of their sins will be heavy and then they would deserve truly the punishment of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then he closes by saying that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his blessings and bounties and favors to whomever he wills wallahu yamunnu ala man yasha bi fadlihi allah gives his favors to whoever he wills allah gives it to whoever he wills bifadlihi and that is by his, his that is his bounty and his favor it is not that the person necessarily deserves it it is allah's favor when somebody is given allah's bounties it's allah's favor it's not because they have done so much 
and they have done so well that they deserve and that it is obligatory for Allah to give them but it is Allah's favor upon them and likewise Allah punishes whoever he wills bi'adlihi and when Allah punishes indeed it is justice it is by his justice Allah doesn't do injustice when he gives anybody his favor that is his yani, bounty for them but when Allah punishes it is justice what they indeed deserve Allah is not asked about what he does but the people are asked about what they do. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't question his actions. It is according to his will and according to his divine wisdom. But the human beings will be questioned about what they do on Yawm al The Shaykh mentioned six points, fawaid or benefits from this hadith. The first of them is the confirmation of the characteristic of al-irada for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah has a will. Al-irada. This is a characteristic that is confirmed. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, however, it should be understood in a way that is fitting and suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that Allah's will is not like the will of human beings. Allah's will is divine will and it is in accordance with his divinity. While the will of the human being is imperfect according to any in agreement and fitting to the imperfection of the human being. Number two, that good and evil are both from that which Allah has decreed. Number three, that any calamity that befalls the believer... Yani when calamities befall the believer, this is a sign of al-khair. Yani when you are afflicted with calamities, if you are a believer who is worshipping Allah and obeying Him, and calamity befalls you, this is of the signs of al-khair. As long as that calamity befalling someone does not result in them abandoning the obligatory actions, or as long as it does case, the calamity that befalls someone, it is a sign of al-khair, that Allah wants good for you. Number four, that it is expected. That a person should fear and be concerned if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's bounties are continuous. Yani if a person is continuously in the favor of Allah, in good health, and enjoying Allah's bounties, without any calamity befalling them, this might be a cause of fear. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, when Allah wants good for his servant, he allows calamities to befall them. Number five, the obligation of husn al-dhan billah. Yani it is obligatory. It is obligatory that we should have a good estimation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we should expect good from him and think good of him and not to think evil of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which he has decreed for us of those things which we dislike those things which are distasteful when something happens to us which is distasteful we should not think ill of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we should have a good thought of Allah meaning that we should understand and believe and know that whatever has befallen us by Allah's decree it is his favor upon us to remove our sins and to increase our good deeds if we are patient in the face of that calamity. Number six, that it is not a necessity that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to his servant, it is not a necessity, it is not yani necessarily so that it is due to his pleasure with them. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives much to those who he intends to destroy as a means to leave them in their path so that they unknowingly and unawares yani, they will go forward until they continue in that path and the punishment of Allah befalls them. So it is not necessarily so that Allah's giving of his bounties or favors to someone in this world that is an indication of his being pleased with them. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that whoever is described with having true faith, al-Iman, uh, that that person will be patient with what Allah has decreed to befall him of calamities knowing that this calamity it is a means of al-khair or good for him and the last evidence that the imam mentions is the hadith reported by At-Tirmidhi Qala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said inna idham al-jaza'i ma'idham al-bala'i 
يعني that the greatness of reward the greatness of one's reward it will be in accordance or connected to عظم البلاء the severity of one's trials يعني to the extent that the person is subjected to severe trials to that extent they expect that the reward would be greater إن عظم الجزاء ما عظم البلاء يعني the greatness of reward is connected to the severity يعني is the result of the severity of that of the trial that they have been subjected to وإن الله إذا أحب قوما ابتلاهم and that verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever he loves the people he tries them he tests them he subjects them to tests and trials and he afflicts them with calamities to test their iman how they will face the calamities will they be patient and be pleased with it and submit and surrender to what Allah has decreed for them فَمَنْ رَضِيَ فَلَهُ الْرِضَى so whoever is pleased with what Allah has decreed for them then they will earn the pleasure of Allah وَمَنْ سَخِطَ فَلَهُ السُّخْتِ and whoever is displeased with what Allah has decreed for them, then they will earn the displeasure of Allah. Yani when any calamity befalls us, no. Whoever is pleased with what Allah has decreed for them, they will earn the pleasure of Allah. Allah will be pleased with them. And whoever is displeased with what Allah has decreed for them, then Allah will be displeased with them. Hassanahu al-Tirmidhi. And he said that al-Tirmidhi considered this hadith to be a good and acceptable, reliable hadith. And it is so. <coughs> the general meaning of this hadith the shaykh says that the prophet ﷺ informs us in this hadith that the believer might be afflicted with calamities in his body or in his wealth or other than that yani his children or family or other things that are beloved to him and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him as a result of the calamities that have befallen him if he is patient if he is patient in the face of the calamities and that as much as his, those calamities that befall him are greater and severe, then likewise uh, his reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be increased. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made clear that uh, calamities are from the signs. Yani calamities befalling someone, befalling the believer who is worshipping Allah, and who believes in him alone and worships him alone, calamities befalling that believer, it is from the signs of Allah's love for that believer. It is a sign that Allah loves someone. And likewise, uh, the decree, the defi- divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, it, is, it must be executed. There is no escape from it. However, when that calamity befalls someone, the one who is patient, and is pleased and accepts what Allah has decreed for them, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him for such by his pleasure. Allah will be pleased with him, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient as one to reward. And whoever is displeased and dislikes and detests what Allah has decreed for them, then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be displeased with them, and Allah is sufficient as one to punish. Finally, the Shaykh says, he mentions six points, Hawaii from this hadith, the first of them, that calamities eliminate one's sins. Yani as long as those calamities uh, do not lead to or are not a result of somebody abandoning the obligatory acts or engaging in that which is haram. The second point is the confirmation of the characteristic of al-mahabba for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani describing Allah as having the characteristic of Allah, that Allah loves the believers and so on. It is from the characteristics of Allah and it should be understood in the way that is fitting, befitting the majesty, the greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, that the trials that afflict the believer, they are a sign of al-iman, true faith. Likewise, number four, the confirmation of the characteristic of a rida and a sakht that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described with these two characteristics that he is pleased with some people and he is displeased with others and these two characteristics likewise they should be understood in a way that is suitable to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number five 
that it is mustahab, commendable, or beloved, that a person be pleased with the decree of the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the execution of that decree upon them. And finally, number six, the prohibition of being displeased with what Allah has decreed and what Allah has executed to befall someone in this life. And the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that in this hadith we understand that it is forbidden for a person to be impatient and to express displeasure with the divine decrees of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this uh, is an indication that having patience in the face of the distasteful divine decrees that which someone dislikes but Allah has decreed for them that having patience in the face of that is a sign of al-Iman. And in the Masail that the Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah mentions at the end of the chapter are nine. The first of them which we already discussed the tafsir of the verse of Surah Al-Taghabun. That is the ayat in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says whoever believes in Allah he will guide their heart. The second of them is that this is from it is a sign of iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is having patience in the face of Allah's divine decrees having patience in the face of this it is a sign of someone's iman. Number three the third issue of the important issues is that uh, making yani speaking ill of someone's lineage um, it is from it is a type of kufr yani it is from the actions of kufr however it does not take a person out of islam number 4 uh, the severity of the threat the threat concerning those who slap their cheeks or tear their clothing or supplicate or call to the actions of jahiliyyah yani the actions of the people before Islam the severity of the threat of those who have done so since the Prophet ﷺ declared his innocence of them he said that that they are not from us we have nothing to do with them the fifth issue is that the sign of Allah's having yani, that Allah wills al-khair for his servant the sign that Allah wills good for his servant is that he hastens for them the punishment in this world that is he allows calamities to befall them so that it will serve as their punishment for whatever they have done they will not be called to account for in the next life number six when Allah wills for someone evil the sign when Allah wills for someone evil is that he delays the punishment until Yawm until the next life he delays a person's punishment so that they will be punished in full in the next life the sign of the love of Allah for his servant yani the sign of Allah's love for his servant is trials tests calamities or afflictions number eight the prohibition of a sukh yani that a person is displeased with Allah with what Allah has decreed for them uh, this means that when a person is tried with some calamity uh, and they express displeasure with it then this is, yani doing so is prohibited because the Prophet ﷺ said whoever expressed displeasure with what Allah has decreed for them then they will earn the displeasure of Allah and this is a threat this is a threat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the final issue is the reward of al-rida bil-bala yani that a person will be rewarded with Allah's pleasure due to the trials that they are afflicted with and this is taken from the statement of the Prophet ﷺ uh, that whoever is pleased with what has befallen them, then they will have the pleasure, meaning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that then been called? Now? How much time before the Iqamah? Just quickly, to look at the questions at the end of the handout, the first of them, what is the relationship of this chapter to the general subject of a tawheed The relationship of this chapter to the general subject of a tawheed is that uh, the having patience in the face of calamity it is a sign of iman and likewise the opposite impatience in the face of calamity is a sign of weakness of iman and the, the any imperfection of the establishment of tawheed in one's life 
define as sabr linguistically and technically, yani the definition of as sabr is al habs or al man, yani holding back or refraining or prohibiting uh, from doing something, and the technical meaning is that a person holds themselves back from expressing displeasure with what Allah has decreed of that which they dislike at the time of calamity, whether it is by refraining from speaking or saying that which uh, is a sign of displeasure or acting in any way that is a sign of displeasure. Mention the three types of a sabr, and most of the scholars or many of the scholars of the people of Sunnah said that sabr is of three types, that is having patience uh, in reference to fulfilling the acts of obedience in, in the light of obedience to Allah and the second of them is being patient in, uh, in the matters of refraining from that which Allah has prohibited and the third of them is being patient in the face of calamity what is meant by ta'nuf al-nasab lineage and al-niyaha it is speaking ill of someone's lineage or uh, claiming that someone uh, that they are not really the son of a particular person and so on and al-niyaha it is يعني, uh, exaggeration and eulogizing it is bemoaning or lamenting or crying or bewailing loudly يعني, in a way that is outside of what is allowed expressing one's displeasure and rejection of what Allah has decreed at the death of someone what is meant by kufr in the hadith two traits found in people are a type of kufr here what is meant by kufr is the lesser kufr minor kufr kufr dun kufr or kufr amali يعني, kufr in actions not the kufr that takes someone out of Islam these traits are the traits of disbelief, but it doesn't mean that the person is a disbeliever. Uh, number six, explain Baraba al Khudud and Shaqqa al Juyub and Da'awa al Jahiliya. The first of them it means slapping the cheeks, the second of them is tearing the clothing, and the third of them is supplicating with the supplications of Jahiliya, yani the expressions of displeasure uh, at the time of calamity or calling to any of the ways or traditions or habits or customs of the people of ignorance before Islam. Number seven, what is understood from the words, he who slaps his cheeks, laysa minna. The meaning of laysa minna in this hadith, it means that he is not of us, meaning that his actions are not in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. They are not in accordance with the instructions of Islam or the noble characteristics of Islam. Uh, and it doesn't mean necessarily that that person is out of Islam, but it is a, an expression of the severity of the actions of those who act in a way contrary to Islam. And the last question, explain the hadith of Anas, radiallahu anhu, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills good for his slave, he hastens to punish him in this life, and when he wills evil for a person, he delays their punishment to punish them in the day of judgment. The meaning of this hadith is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of his mercy and his favor, when he wants to remove someone's sins in this world before they are called to account on Yom Qiyamah, then he gives them a punishment. And that punishment is that they are afflicted with trials, calamities in this world, and that will be a means of removing of their sins. And when he wants shar for someone, meaning he wants to give them the full punishment that they justly deserve, then he holds back from afflicting them with calamities in this world so that he will give them the full punishment on Yom Qiyamah. Uh, the sister sent a question, alaykum, if a slave of Allah is afflicted with calamity and tells others his woes as a means of venting his worry, frustration, is this considered being impatient? Indeed, it is a means of impatience that a person, uh, if, if it is يعني, informing someone of the afflictions that have befallen them, just يعني, as a means of letting someone know about their condition, not Yani, where there's no yani, sign that it is an expression of displeasure with what Allah has decreed for them, then this is human and most of the people will fall into such. However, what is better than that is that whoever has been afflicted with anything, whatever troubles or hardship that they ex- experience in this, wa- in this life, if they don't complain to anyone or express their troubles to anyone, but they only complain to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is, they only call on Allah and put their trust in Him and rely on Him and have faith in Him, and this is the better thing, and this is the full, the fullness of the patience that a person is expected to display in time of difficulty and hardship. And for this reason, uh, it was reported from many of the scholars of the early generation of the Muslims that they used to refrain from any expression that showed that they were complaining, that, uh, that they were suffering, even while they were in extreme pain. And it was 
recently at the time of the death of our Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah it was reported from some of those who were very close to him and who spent time with him in the hospital that even though he was in severe pain severe pain to the extent that the doctors couldn't imagine that he could be in that pain and that he didn't express even by his voice any expression of pain and he didn't discuss with anyone except the one who needed to know who was treating him he didn't tell anyone about his pain and he, and, the, and he said the reason for this was that he didn't want to do anything or say anything that might be taken as an expression of displeasure for that which Allah has decreed for him but he wanted to fully patiently submit to and accept and be pleased with what Allah has decreed for him even that severe pain in that age as a, a very elderly man and he bared it patiently without expressing any displeasure or any any expression of what he was suffering from and this is the yani, the fullest way that one can show their patience and pleasure with what Allah has decreed for us subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik fa kayfa tattaquna in kafartum yawman Thank you. 